Welcome to The Fully Lived Life, a podcast for those who are longing to pursue the full life and want to break free from anything that holds them back. Listen in as two friends, a psychologist, Dr. Mary, and a life coach, Jillian, talk about life, love, and purpose through the lens of faith, science, psychology, and life experiences. Hello, Mary. Hello, Jillian. I'm going to be honest right now. Yeah, go for it. Let's just get this episode over with. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Like, seriously. uh, I know. Hey, for our listeners, it's hard stuff. Yeah. For us, it's hard stuff. Yeah. So let's just go for it and get it over with. Yes. So we're doing the part three of three of Family Ties. Mm -hmm. And as we have promised, we're going to talk through our own stuff because... We want to show up real. So does that mean both Stella and Lucy are showing up? (laughs) Oh, well, (laughs) hey. (laughs) Hey, you don't get off easy, girl. (laughs) Okay, fine. (laughs) It'll be sort of mostly Stella, but maybe a bit of Lucy. How's that? Oh, well, I'm going to bring Lucy along with me, dragging, (laughs) kicking, and screaming. Yes. Anyway, so... This idea of family, you know, we joke that you can't live with them and you can't live without them. Exactly. Yeah. And everyone listening knows that. Exactly. It's no surprise. It's no surprise. I mean, there's just so many jokes about family dysfunction. Yeah. That it's like, honestly, we all have it. Exactly. Well, we, I mean, we all deal with something. Yeah. And whether we want to acknowledge it or not, you know, some of us like to live in the land of denial, mm-hmm. right? And think, well, and and the land of comparison, well, at least my family's not like that. Exactly. So. Exactly. And I think this is the reality of living in a broken world where we're all human and we yep. have human fears, insecurities, shadow selves, all that stuff. Yep. And um, it's not to put blame on ourselves if we're parents or to blame our parents. I mean, we really do try to do the best we can. And our parents try to do the best they can as well. But everybody makes mistakes. Um, We don't always know the impact of our actions on others. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this is all about learning growing, understanding. And so as we understand how the things that shaped us growing up impacts us today, then there's freedom in that. Exactly. And I think if you're a parent, you Mm. know, we all resolve in our mind, Mm -hmm. like when we're uh, expecting a baby, how wonderful a parent (laughs) we're going to be, right? (laughs) Yes. And then we deal with the two or three-year-old. Exactly. And then it's like... Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I was just uh, (laughs) doing an intake with a a set of parents uh, and they're talking about their child and every other word coming out of their mouth was self-critical. Oh. And I felt, and I, and I kept calling them and you're like, you guys are engaged, good parents, but because any little thing that possibly could go wrong, like almost, we're almost in this culture of being over responsible as parents overthinking it, right. overanalyzing. If I do this, it's going to have this disastrous right. impact, which is very fear-based thinking, which gets back to this whole thing we're talking about, which is this chronic anxiety that we all have mm-hmm. through our family system. Okay. Well, let's dive into family system because, you know, you're, you walked us through it. Yeah. So we're now in part three, which I'm really glad we're in part three. <laughs> we're in part three of three people. 
because <laughs> we're almost done. Yeah, so just keep in mind that our family of origin, they're the ones that kind of set these patterns in place. Mm-hmm. And if we're not thinking about it, we're not tracking with it, we will automatically repeat them. And it may be sometimes almost reactive, as in we'll try to do the opposite, but it's still not in a healthy way. Right. So the good news is that we can change these patterns as we continue to track. Um, so just some things for you to think about as you're listening and what I'm going to be um, asking um, Stella to comment on, or Stella. Stella, I know, <laughs> is thinking about past patterns and how it affects today okay. and how it affects your relationships today. And um, we we talked about attachment styles mm-hmm. back way back in on episode 19 when we're talking about healthy parents, healthy kids. If you haven't listened to it, tune into that uh, because our attachment uh, history is rooted in our family of origin, which affects our current relationship. So that's sort of like the backdrop of it right. to keep in mind. Um, but when we kind of come to terms that we all have dysfunction, it isn't just kind of going, oh my gosh, my parents or whatever. It's actually um, often includes grieving. Um, in fact, that's often the biggest thing. Yeah. Uh, even if your parents are still around, but you know, they're, they, they've, you, the past is already over, like in terms of how they parented you. They yeah. can, your relationships can improve, but it's still done. So the grieving, the loss of that dream of what a loving, healthy family should be like. Right. And that for some of you may include working through um, trauma or abuse. Right. If it's, you know, that dysfunctional. Uh, and of course, most importantly, is letting go of our unmet expectations or longing for our family to love us the way that we wish they had been able to. Yeah. And, and I think, tough. I think, you know, what I really like what you said, um, you know, is uh, facing your past isn't about blaming your family, mm. but taking control of your present and your future. That's right. So if we can look at this from a forward thinking perspective, right, that this is about growth. Yeah. And not, you know, not dwelling on the past necessarily, but accepting it, dealing with it, forgiving it, mm-hmm. not letting it take, um, you know, over us in terms mm-hmm. of bitterness and resentment. Yeah. And I heard a really good quote yesterday oh, okay. about um, bitterness and resentment. Mm. And the quote was, hanging on to bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness mm. is like drinking poison <sighs> and hoping it's harming the other person. Oh my gosh. Oh. Wow. Isn't that like... That is such a vivid imagery. It really is. Yeah. Mm. Because you're dealing with all the toxins. Right. Thoughts, patterns, et cetera. And it's the other person's not dealing with it. No. You're pulling it all inside. Yeah. And you're longing for them to acknowledge it. You're longing for them to change. Right. Is such a position of powerlessness. Right. Because we can't change other people. I've so, tried. Listen, I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> you know this. So so if we can look at this as moving forward right. into the future, uh, the present and the future with health and growth and working through doing the hard work, mm-hmm. right? It is hard work. Mm-hmm. We are in a much better position to listen to this conversation. Right. Exactly. Okay. So l- let me give you a personal example about how past relationships impact current. So I was, I had a uh, argument with Peter the other day and it was literally over something small, but my reactions were very strong. And, you know, me trying to analyze it was like, what the heck is going on? And I realized he inadvertently triggered my sort of two core issues with my parents, right? uh, which I've talked about before. 
Um, and you know, my dad's tendency to get really angry and my mom's tendency to go into silent treatment Mm -hmm. and Peter inadvertently triggered it. So it's like, I could have blamed Peter, eh, to be honest, I did for a while until I stepped back and went, uh, nope, that's my issue. And so when I was able to calm, yes. And when I was able to calm myself down with that, that allowed me to then respond in a much, much better way with the conflict. Right. So it's recognizing those patterns that are so important. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff, Mary. So are we ready to proceed? We're ready. To Let's break go, free? man. Okay, Stella, you here? I'm here. <laughs> so uh, I've got sort of like um, a process that I walk people through. And by the way, as I walk Stella through this, I'm not minimizing that it's uh, check, 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 do these eight steps and you're going to be forever free. It's ongoing work. Of course it is. But I just want to be able to demonstrate to our listeners that it is something that you can do. And the number one, number one thing, which is hard, it's probably one of the hardest things, is to face the problem. Yeah. Is to acknowledge that I got junk in my trunk. Yep. So... Be honest with yourself. Do a thorough self-assessment. Like what's not working in your life? Rather than blaming others or the circumstances, take responsibility for your part of the pain that you're experiencing. So what needs changing? And if you don't know, of course, consider asking trusted friends. Um, so f- for for you, Stella, yeah. if you think about something that's going on for you now that's a repetitive pattern, sure. um, what might that be? Uh, well, definitely as the Enneagram 8, yeah. it would be trying to take control, mm. right? Um, and not, and trying to appear strong mm. versus being vulnerable and weak. Like mm-hmm. there's two, there's there's a dark side and a white side, yes. you know, like yes. the white side is like, you know, you're strong, you yeah. can handle things, yeah. be in control. And the dark side is this, like, don't be vulnerable, don't mm. be weak. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, I can trace that back to, you know, kind of my family of origin. Okay. Well, and that's actually step two. Yeah. So facing the problem, this difficulties you have with being vulnerable, which you've done tremendous work in. I have. Thank yes. you very much. Awesome. Um, but not just by sheer willpower or being so self-critical and being so like constantly like studying yourself, but it's understanding it. So step two is understanding your family of origin. Yeah. So think about where you are today and where you came from and uh, talk us through what, you know, you think some of the family origin issues might have been going on for you. Sure. I mean, I, I, now as a parent Mm. and as a grandparent Mm -hmm. of a child roughly the same age, Mm -hmm. you know, that I was when we came to Canada, Mm -hmm. I can completely see it in a new light. Right. So, you know, my parents came to uh, Canada when I was three, mm. they merged two families. Mm. So my grandmother, who was living independently, joined our family and moved to Canada with us. Right. And if you've experienced moving and change, mm. you know that it's stressful, mm-hmm. whether you're moving around the corner, you know, you add on a transatlantic move yes. and that takes on a whole other thing. Cultural changes. Right. Yeah. And so when I look back, just even the stress on my parents and especially my mom, yeah, because she'd been at home with us, mm. and now all of a sudden she's out working, mm. and my grandmother, who'd been living on her own, mm-hmm. is now caring for me, yes, right, 
And she, and she was, didn't sign up for that. No, and she wasn't really happy yeah. um, to to move here. She had no friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a huge change. Yeah. She was older, obviously. And so I think, you know, way back then, mm-hmm. I probably went, I'm going to fly under the radar. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to have a lot of needs. Yeah. Because there's enough going on around uh, me yep. that I don't need to add to the burden. Mm. Wow. Right. And not only that, you had to step up to the plate Mm -hmm. and maybe take care of other people. Um, Probably not. But I think it was just more like, I don't want to be a burden to others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I was the youngest, right? Yeah. You don't want to be burdened to others. So you're, you're, you're picking up on the stress of your family Yep, and you just don't want to add to it. That's right. Right. So early independence really would yeah, be, the, it would have been the natural response based and on And I think for, you know, probably for all of us mm-hmm. kids, there was, we were thrust into more independence. Mm-hmm. Um, now my sisters were older. My brother was seven. Yeah. So they had a little bit more maturity on their side. Right. But as the youngest... Yeah. I think it was kind of a, a bit of a learning curve right away. Right. Well, when you think about Hudson at three, he's oh. he's just four now. He's just turning four. Yeah. Like think about that little guy. Yeah. If he had been put into the same situation you were put into. Sure. And how that would have affected him. And I think about myself too. Mm. I think if I'd made this move yeah. and been thrust into this new place, this new land, this new, you know, not so dissimilar culturally, but... Um, how I would have been having difficulties adjusting. Yeah. And especially without a network of friends and acquaintances and people to talk to, to process with. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, as every immigrant family will know, Mm -hmm. the transition is huge. Right, it is. For everyone in the family. And especially, I think, the kids feel that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. So, listeners, uh, some of the questions for you to think about uh, when you think about your current patterns, and if you are familiar with the Enneagram, that is a really great tool to help you figure out what some of your patterns are of responding. And remember, Enneagram talks about how we are coping. Like these are strategies we develop to cope with life. So then some of the questions you can ask yourself is think about what was your mom like as a mom? Mm-hmm. And the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because no matter how much you loved her and she loved you, she wasn't perfect. So that would be one of the questions to consider. What was your dad like as a father, if he is even around? Yeah. Um, and how that might have impacted you? What might be some of the messages you got growing up with your parents? And, you know, I want to take a step back there, Mary, too, because I think this might help our listeners, because it has helped me. Mm. Because now as a grandmother and a mother, and we've talked about this before, um, you get to a stage where you want your children to view you as a human being too. Yes. You don't want them just to see you through the lens of being the mother or the father. Right. You want your kids to see you as a person. Right. Mm -hmm. And when you are able to sit back and look at your mother mm-hmm. as a person. Mm-hmm. What were her interests? What were her longings? What mm-hmm. was going on in her world? Right. You know, what were the stresses that she was exhibiting and mm-hmm. experiencing? Mm-hmm. The same with your father. Then I think you have not just a new level of understanding, right? but you also can appreciate and give a little bit more grace, even if it was not perfect mm-hmm. and it wasn't perfect. Yes. Um, you know, that, that brings to mind, and, and he, here's Lucy, she's going to show up and share too, is that 
um, some of my points of greatest injury when I look back came out of um, conversations I had with my mom where she had acknowledged that I was a, a unwanted pregnancy. Mm. It was a surprise pregnancy and she actually um, took steps without going the medical route to try to get rid of me. Right. And she told me at a time that I was just an adolescent. So um, even though now I can see that it's like she was under stress. Yes. Uh, it was difficult for me to process and I still am working through it. But what you just said, when I look back, my mom, they were already planning to come here to Canada from Taiwan. Uh, she was already stressed with two young kids. Uh, there was financial stress. She was working through all sorts of things. So to have a, a third pregnancy, if I put myself in her shoes of what she was going through, I can have much greater understanding. So it's it's the two things. I can understand how it affected me yes. as the child in that environment, but I can also understand what she must have been going through to, at that time to yeah. have those feelings and those and, experiences. And to do them in isolation, mm. I think, is is not the full experience. Right. Right. To to look at it both ways. And it may be really, really hard mm-hmm. if you're holding a lot of resentment or bitterness towards a parent. Right. To be able to see them as a human being mm-hmm. with their own life and their own struggles. hurts and struggles and right. all those things. Yeah. But I think to do it in isolation. Right. Uh, right. Or to do the opposite where you're so sympathetic and yes. empathetic to your your family of origin struggles that you'd minimize your own. Exactly. So it's it's holding the two. And it's going to take time and a process and, um, you know, just thinking through the themes of your life and your current struggles and your, especially in your relationships. Mm-hmm. So the tensions that you may be experiencing with your partner or with your kids or with your friends. Right. Look at those patterns and then tie it back to your relationship growing up with your parents, with your siblings, what you observe between your parents, all of those things. So important insight that you can gain. It truly is, yeah. And in fact, that's step three, which is recount your experiences. And what I mean is like, don't just go thematic globally. Yeah, my parents were busy and that's just the way it is. Like think through specific memories. Uh, So as an example, I have a memory where... I had fallen asleep um, at my aunt's place and I woke up in the middle of the night and they had um, dragged me into the hallway um, and I was sleeping there and I was scared. I started crying and screaming and my parents just left me there because they were a trusted family. They had no clue that my aunt was going to drag me in the hallway. They thought she was going to take care of me. Yeah, exactly. So... Being able to specifically remember that experience allows me to work through the terror and the feeling of abandonment and all those other things that I have to be able to understand. Yeah. And I I mean, uh, Stella, Stella would say that I remember times where when I was a little bit older and I was kind of the only one around the house, mm. that, you know, sitting at the dinner table, there'd be tension between... Um, my parents with my grandmother and myself and stepping in and kind of playing the role of peacekeeper and peacemaker. Mm. Um, And, you know, I could look back on the situations and think about that and how how I was trying to control and manage Mm. what was uncomfortable for me. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, again, being able to 
to remember a specific incident yep. allows those feelings to surface yeah. so that you can begin to process it, which is the next step for, yeah. which is experience the feelings. Um, before we move to that step, though, like if when I talk about recounting your experiences, and we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. you know, do uh, history from, you know, when you're, you were in utero to when you were born to when you're a toddler, elementary school, you know, teenage years, young adult into current time. And just in this timeline, you know, map out the memories that pop up, either positive or negative. And this takes a lot of work. It does take a lot it of work. It is not, this. none of this mm-hmm. is quick and easy. Yeah. It takes, you know, it takes a long time. So be patient with the process, knowing that, remember, you're working to a healthier present and a healthier future. Exactly. You know, I, I was listening, I was just catching something on the news today. It was Dr. Joey Shulman. She runs a weight loss clinic here in Toronto. And one of the things she said kind of stopped me in my track. She said, if you've tried diet plans in the past mm-hmm. and you haven't committed for five years, mm-hmm. forget it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, yeah. there's an analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're trying to change your life yeah. and you're not committed to the long term. Yeah. Not going to work. It's not going to work because yeah. you're just trying to put a Band-Aid on something. Mm-hmm. It's not a one and done thing. No, it's not. Yeah. So that's why here we are. <laughs> How many years into the our lives and we're still doing the, this work. And we'll be doing it for the rest we'll of our lives. We'll be doing it for the rest of our lives. And uh, as always, if step... Uh, any of these steps are difficult for you to do on your own, please, please do it with a trusted psychotherapist or a coach. Somebody can help guide you through it and help ground you as you need to. Right. So step four, experiencing the feelings. I mean, I do everything possible as an Enneagram too to suppress those negative emotions, to rationalize it, to, to just stay happy. Like, I don't like it. I really don't. But it's so important that we experience the emotions, not so that we can get, you know, this is our fear a lot of times. If I let myself feel I'm going to get sucked into this vortex, I'm never going to be able to dig my way out of it. Right. You know, and like, for me as an eight, yeah. if I'm vulnerable and let someone see my weakness, then they're going to take advantage of me. Yes. Right? Yes. And You know, I have to say, I mean, obviously there's many causes to depression and anxiety, but one of the very, very common ones is suppressed emotions, suppressed trauma, things that you haven't worked through. Like your brain, your body, your heart, all of that needs to be able to work it through, not to resolution as in you have a solution, right? but to be understood, uh, to be heard, to be comforted. Yeah. And that's part of the grieving process that we have to go through. So like, um, you know, when you think about as you're doing your, your, your um, processing of these memories, you know, what emotions are coming? Are you feeling angry? Are you feeling abandoned? Are you feeling numb? Are you, maybe you're not feeling anything. And, you know, when I, when I look back, I never thought of this as a feeling that I was attaching. But I, I realized I must have... I experienced times of great jealousy okay. because um, my mom worked during the week, so as did my father. I mean, we we were replanting mm-hmm. a whole new home here, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And on Saturdays, um, my mom would have to attend to my grandmother, mm. and so that feeling of kind of oh, this is supposed to be a family day, right? A day for us, and it's being hijacked, right? And so I didn't put that word until I really started to dig down. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. It is very interesting. And I would actually expand that word jealousy 
to talk about some longings that you had. Yeah, absolutely. So you had longings to be able to spend time together as a family, to have your parents' attention on you and not your grandmother. And when that didn't happen, the the emotion of jealousy came up, which we can see as just a negative emotion. We just got to stop it. As opposed to why are you feeling that emotion? Like what are some unmet needs or longings that are coming up? And so in your current relationships, if... Uh, you know, say I'm paying more attention to another friend than you and you're starting to have those feelings cropping up, is it because there's some unmet longings? Like, I'm here. Yeah, exactly. Notice me. Yeah, and I can look back and say, when I was, when those longings were being met, Mm -hmm. it was typically when we were all together as a family, camping, and you know, you're spending concentrated time together and there's not the household chores calling and all Mm. the other stuff Mm -hmm. uh, vying for attention. Right. And like, those are like, when I look back, those are the really happy, happy times of my childhood. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So how does that affect you today? Well, I just told you, <laughs> I'm, I'm in a funk because we just got back from holidays. Yes. We were spending all this concentrated time together. Yes. And now it's like, oh. Uh-huh. Exactly. Right? Yep. Yep. There you go. Well, you told me, you didn't tell the audience, uh, the, our listeners. So now you, you know that that's what's going on. Exactly. Too. Yeah. But it's interesting how you can tie it into specific childhood memories. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So then step five, um, and you kind of touched on it a little bit in terms of the, the drinking the poison mm-hmm. thing, is forgive and let go. Mm-hmm. And I really, please take hear me, I don't suggest the step lightly, especially if you've come from a family that has been abusive or caused you harm. Um, and I'm not saying this as like, oh, come on, if you're a Christian, you're supposed to forgive and let go. Um Really, as Jillian said, that that forgiveness is for you. And, you know, we did a whole episode on forgiveness yeah, and the science of forgiveness mm-hmm. um, with, that was, I can't even remember what episode that was, but if you're dealing with some unforgiveness, it's worth going back and listening to that yeah, because there's such good information in that particular episode from an expert mm-hmm. in forgiveness in terms of like on the grand scale. Right. Like you know, a cultural forgiveness as well as familial forgiveness. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Yeah, it really is. Um, It's not about letting go of your need for justice just because you're never going to get justice, but actually because you're seeking freedom. Because if we're holding on until we experience justice, it may never happen this side of heaven. That's right. And so this is the way to true freedom. And take as long as you need to. I mean, back to that episode, we talked through that. It's not a one and done thing. Please don't do it as going through the motion check of forgiving my family. And, you know, like Stella, maybe you can talk about your process of forgiving grandma. Yeah. I mean, I realize that, you know, culturally Mm. it was kind of a, it was a no-win situation mm-hmm. for everyone involved. Right. Right? The choices were made, and for the reasons that they were made. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my grandmother was widowed at the time. Well, she was widowed for quite a while. So I had to look at that, again, mm-hmm. as human beings and yeah. as a grandmother, a mother, yeah. a father, yeah. and go, what were they dealing with? Yeah. And then I was able to look at it through my eyes as a parent, mm. my eyes as a, and moving into grandparenting, moving, 
And then I'm able to have more appreciation Mm -hmm. for some of the stresses around it. Right. And I think it's easier to forgive when you can bring in elements of the story Mm. that also mimic your own life. Right. Mm, very good. Yeah. And, and, and again, I don't say this to minimize if you've experienced abuse yourself, uh, but if you were abused by your parents, um, it's almost guaranteed that they were also abused, not to justify it whatsoever, but just that there is typically a generational pattern so that, you know, hurt people hurt people. That saying there is something to be said about that. So, you know, being able to see that perspective can be helpful. Yeah. Um, but it's also just being able to uh, feel um, validated for your pain. I mean, the act of forgiveness is saying that by my saying I need to forgive, I'm saying that my pain is that huge. Like, if, yes. I don't need to forgive if you accidentally just bumped me against a wall. But if you really hurt me, that's why I need to forgive. And that in of itself is validating for the pain that I experienced. Um, so that's an ongoing thing. Um, I continue to have things crop up uh, uh, about my parents, um, both of whom are gone now. And, you know, I have mixed feelings that happen as these memories come because I miss my parents, but yet I still feel the pain of some of the things that happened to me. Uh, So it's not a one and done. I still have to kind of go back and work through some of those emotions and once again, forgive for that particular act. Um, It's not a global, I forgive them in general, but actually for that particular act. Yeah. And I think the, I think this thing to stress is it is an ongoing ongoing repetitive process mm. and um and I think that's true of forgiveness as a whole yeah but the other thing is when things crop up right uh, in your memory cuz things will trigger your memory mm-hmm. situations will trigger your memory s- smells will trigger your memory right absolutely uh, mm-hmm. and so when those things crop up Remember, mm. I'm dealing with this mm. for a healthier present and a healthier future. Exactly, Because when we can code it like that, mm-hmm. it reminds us why we're doing the work. Right. Even though it's painful. Right. And as we said, as we started this season, I'm not giving up on me. No, that's right. It's, it's worth doing There's this. There's too many things at stake for ourselves and for future generations. Right. And for any community, any group that you're part of, any team that you're part of, if you do your work... You're going to have ripple effects that's going to uh, impact generations. That's right. And, you know, I don't want to minimize this and I don't want to tie into it too much, but we just marked the Truth and Reconciliation Day mm-hmm. for our Indigenous um, Canadians. Mm-hmm. And that is an ongoing process. Yeah. But think of it if we do not. Right deal with the truth and reconciliation piece. Mm. We are not moving forward as Mm. a nation. We're not moving forward for generations of children Mm. who have been traumatized by what their parents and grandparents went through. And so we need to do the work, Mm -hmm. not just for ourselves, but for our fellow human beings. Yeah. And we also need to stand with each other Mm -hmm. and be willing to hold each other's pain being able to tolerate their anger and feelings of injustice without feeling defensive. Right. I mean, those are all things that we can do for each other. 
So, um, and, and to be honest, when I'm doing therapy with somebody going through trauma, I can't, I mean, as much as I wish I could, I can't go back and change the past and I can't give them solutions to talk away their pain, but I can be present for them. I can sit with them in their sorrow and in their anger and I can choose not to take it personally because sometimes that upset and anger is directed at me Mm -hmm. because I happen to be in the room as they're working through some difficult things. So those are gifts that we can give to each other and we can give to ourselves as we choose to uh, be honest with ourselves about how we're feeling. Okay. Wow. Yes. So step six. So now that you've taken the time to think about your family of origin, you have worked through some of the family history and how it's affected you. Now it's time to take hold of your own life and your own choices and your own behavioral patterns. So trace these patterns of behavior. How are they showing up in your life? You know, for for me, um, I, uh, you know, have constantly, I was just talking about this with uh, Cam, my son, about how hard I work to avoid conflict because I absolutely hate anybody being angry at me. But in doing that, I actually am not honest about how I feel and I cause things to escalate inadvertently. Mm. So that's a pattern in my life that I know is there. And so I have to develop my tolerance for people being angry with me. Yeah. And for me, it's been like, well, if I can control these things, yes, right? Yes. Then I can save you from drama and trauma. Yes. And so I'll just try and control it all for everybody. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and, exactly. Um, and that's, I know that's coming right out of a out of fear. Mm-hmm. It's if I don't control it, then what bad thing will happen? Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So trace these patterns mm-hmm. of behavior and, and name it. Right. And not only name it to yourself, tell your trusted people so that it can start to hold you accountable, which you do beautifully for me because you're often calling me on the fact that I'm avoiding being honest. You, you ask me straight up, what do you really want? Yes. What are you really thinking here? So I appreciate that. But then step seven is set healthy boundaries because let's be honest, you can do all the work that you want to do with yourself. And if your family's still around and they're refusing to change and they're not taking ownership for the pain that they've caused you, don't keep going back into that relationship and situation without these boundaries, opening yourself up again and again to the same hurt. Right. It, it's, it's almost like uh, that verse, a dog returning to its vomit. It's yeah. like somehow you think it's going to be different this time around or you feel like you have no choice. But the truth is you do have choice. You can set healthy boundaries. Some of it is physical. Some of it is saying, um, I'm not going to accept this behavior. Some of it is an emotional boundary where they could be yelling at you and you're just not receiving it. You're just choosing not to accept it. Um, so what would be an example for you of setting a healthy boundary, Stella? Um, I think allowing, for me, mm. allowing consequences mm. to happen as they should happen mm-hmm. and not trying to control everything around it right? so that the bad things don't happen. Right. Because bad things are going to happen mm-hmm. and I can't control everything. Right. Right. So yeah. that's one, mm-hmm. but it's really difficult. Yes. <laughs> it's really, really difficult. Uh, and I would attest to that because <laughs> I've seen you. Yeah. Yeah. 
and the, the ang- agony and anxiety it creates for you. And if you would just listen to me, I know I would save you all this, all this angst and drama and trauma and consequences. But that well, and in the, even that, that's uh, for me a healthy boundary is to not to try to step in and try to soothe your angst in that situation. Exactly, because that's something that you have to work out for yourself. It's like oh, oh so hard, I know. It's so hard. Yes, Stella needs extra cheese today. Yes. So uh, both of our parents and grandparents aren't around to have to set mm-hmm. these boundaries with, but I. Uh, as it plays out in our current relationship, certainly we can. But if you do have family members who are still around uh, and you recognize these dysfunctional patterns, um, it, it's as an example, if your uh, parent is uh, starting to uh, say, um, try to control you to be able to say, you know, I appreciate your input, dad. Uh, but I will decide for myself. Yeah. And then walking away if he refuses to stop haranguing you on that thing that he thinks he's helping you with. Yep. Yeah. And I I remember, um, you know, in both my kids, them calling me on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, yeah. Well, that's life. Oh, yes, but, but that I is think true. If, if I can stress one thing, mm. the healthy boundaries piece is scary. Mm-hmm. It's so necessary, though, and I just continue to, you know, turn back to Dr. Henry Cloud's book on boundaries Mm -hmm. because it's gold. Yeah. And he has a podcast and he has a book. So if this is something that you really struggle with, Mm -hmm. really lean into that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. One of the the key things he says is that if you have struggles with internal boundaries, um, go and get help. Mm-hmm. Because uh, somebody else can help you set those externally, so right. until it becomes internalized, yeah, and it becomes habitual for you. So, like, don't do it on your own if you struggle with boundaries. Um, so, the last step is uh, commit to the change process because, uh, as we've already said, it's ongoing process. So make personal growth a priority in your life and take active steps. Don't just say, yeah, 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 I need to change the area. Take active steps. Like our whole podcast is about things that you can do to actively change. So it's educating yourself. It's gaining insight, asking others to hold you accountable, seeking mentoring or counseling or whatever you need. Um, and make it a lifelong goal. And if you're a person of faith, invite God into the journey because it is absolutely His will for you to find freedom. And, you know, I think that um, when you look at the success of a program like um, AA, Mm. it's because all those things are in place. Yes. Right? You can't do it alone. Yeah. And... There's mentors and yep. there's sponsors yep. and there's a program and mm-hmm. you do the work. And you do the work. You and, work the program. you know, some stumble through it and some have great success, but you do the work. Well, even I know people the... that have gone through that program and they started 30 years ago and they're still, still doing it. Still in it, exactly. Because they know. Yeah. They have to stick with it. They have to stick with it. Exactly. And, you know, like we've gone through Freedom Session, which is a type of 12-step program. We've talked about this before. But, you know, going back to our notes, going back to, uh, you know, this, um, you know, part that we need to look at, it's amazing how we easily forget. <laughs> if I, <laughs> Especially if at our I age. read my journal entries from a year oh ago, Oh, my gosh. Like, did I write this yesterday? <laughs> 
<laughs> I know. Oh, I know. Boy. Yeah. So that's, those are the, like, that's the process. And by, by my putting it into this eight step process, as I said, I'm not trying to make it so that it's just, um, step, step, step simple. It yeah. really is hard work and it does take commitment, but again, it's the you know, use this as a roadmap, choose to be intentional, have this teachable heart. And if you're determined to change and grow, I promise you, like there's just going to be great results and you will find freedom. I totally agree. I totally agree. This, These are, you know, the eight steps don't necessarily happen. Like I do step one, then I do step two. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they're, they're going to be overlapping and kind of jumping the queue every now and then yes. too. Yes. So, you know, Listen in again, mm-hmm. take some notes, mm-hmm. and remind yourself that this is a long process, but it is for your present growth and your future Amen. growth. Amen. Amen. And so worth it. True. Oh, oh. We survived. You. <laughs> As will you, listeners. It's so worth it. Um, you know, if if you have any questions coming at us as you listen, please feel free to reach out to us uh, on our Instagram account, The Fully Live Life. Uh, we do respond uh, to queries yep. uh, as you uh, actually private message us. Um, but you'll see on our show notes that there's a link to Jillian's website page and my website page. Uh, there's ways to reach us. If you have questions about this or you want a referral to people, that can help you through it, you want to do your own coaching counseling, please, it's so worth it. You are so worth it. True that. Yes. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks for hanging in with us because this was a tough one for all of us. Yes. Yes. It's so... Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> well, uh, next session, we're going to go back to the uh, insight book and talk through some things that will be uh, very positive and affirming and hopefully helpful as you grow in your journey of uh, self-discovery and growth. Growth. So, so <laughs> there tune you in go. next week. All we'll right. A lighter one. <laughs> That's right. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Fully Lived Life podcast. We hope you found it encouraging and helpful. Be sure to follow or subscribe so that you never miss a new episode. And if you enjoyed our show, please help spread the word by sharing with your friends and family and posting on your social media. Thanks for listening and tune in to our next episode.